0: Our passage this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Now, before I read that, Luke, the writer of Luke is following a sort of a traditional literary format. And this has been used, or had been used, uh, a lot during the Old Testament, where descriptions of the lives of important leaders were written down. So the writer of Luke has told the story of Jesus' birth, his circumcision, his blessing by Simeon, and now at the end of chapter 2, he's done this all in one chapter, um, he is now talking about an incident that happened in Jesus' childhood when he was 12 years old. It was the last year of him being a Jewish child. Jewish boys are considered adults in the faith when they turn 13 and go through a bar mitzvah. The gospel writer is careful to note that Jesus is not quite there yet, and that makes his actions and responses in this passage all that more interesting and special. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now every year, his parents went up to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him, and after three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teacher's listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it must seem a little bit jarring to have only celebrated the birth of Jesus on Tuesday, only to be here on Sunday and talking about him being 12 years old. He's almost, but not quite, grown to full adult participation in the Jewish faith. In our society, 12 years old is very much still a child. Scientists talk about the development of the brain and mature thought processes not being complete until sometime in our 20s, so being 12 is not typically thought of as being nearly an adult. But in this event, Jesus is in that space of life our society has named the tweens. Not a child, but certainly not an adult, almost a teenager. Hormones may be starting to kick in for some at age 12. And being a tween is a confusing stage of life for most of us because we don't understand what's starting to happen to our bodies and we're starting to have to take on more additional responsibilities in our household chores and our school studies are starting to be a little more complex. Rules about our behavior are starting to change too. At the same time, I'm certain, even though I'm not a parent, I'm certain that parents are a little bit confused, too. How much independence do you give the child versus how much supervision? When are you supposed to hover over them, and when are you supposed to back off? When do you volunteer information, and when do you wait until you're asked a question? I suspect the answers to these may be different for each child, depending on their age or development or maturity levels. So, here are Mary and Joseph, this observant Jewish couple, who with their children and other relatives and friends have made the four to five day walking journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. Now, as I envision this situation, it kind of reminds me, back earlier in my life, going to our annual family reunion. This was the time that my, dad's, my dad and his six siblings got together and all of their children, their grandchildren, eventually their great-grandchildren were along. And on those miraculous occasions when we were all able to be there, that group could number over 100 people. I remember when I was a child, arriving at this event. And as soon as we got there, bolting from my parents, scurrying off to merrily greet my cousins. In my generation alone, there were 17 of us. And I was the youngest girl. We had all sorts of games. We were on the lake, so there was water sports available. Um, and I, we had meals to share, you know, those good old potlucks where everybody brings a dish And I very rarely stayed with my parents. I was with a cousin most of the time. My parents, my aunts, and my uncles were all and each empowered to administer any necessary discipline to any child who might find his way or her way into mischief, sort of like the infamous brownie eating contest that my brother and another of my cousins got into. For quite a number of years, too, it it almost wasn't a reunion unless somebody ended up going to the hospital because of needing stitches or, or cast. because we took our games very seriously and were very competitive. We had some serious fun at these events. But it wasn't difficult for children to sort of temporarily get lost from their parents because of all the people. And it's this type of chaotic situation that formed the initial premise of the popular Christmas movie, Home Alone. There were so many people and so many adults. Everyone assumed that everybody else was looking after everyone, so one kid got left out. And everybody went away without him. I guess it happens. So, back to Jerusalem... Jesus decided at age 12 that he was going to hang back in Jerusalem and stay at the temple, and he was going to ask a lot of questions and answer a lot of questions and learn as much as he could because, you see, for him, that was serious fun. He was either unaware or simply unconcerned that his parents were looking for him, that they had actually left town and had gone a day's journey before they had to turn around and come back to find him. The gospel writer says it took three days of searching, and it sort of sounds like they had walked out a day's journey about 15 miles, come back another 15 miles and another day, and then spent three days in Jerusalem looking for him, so that would be five days that they were looking for their son. Or it may have been that the travel days were included in the three, so they only spent one day in Jerusalem looking. But that's really irrelevant. Can you imagine how frightened Mary and Joseph must have been to not know where their son was for as few or as many as three to five days? As relieved as they undoubtedly were, to find him there in the temple. As soon as that relief sort of subsided and he's fine, what do they do? What every other parent does, they scold him and say, why, why did you make us worry like this? We've been looking for you for all this time. To which Jesus calmly replied, well, why did you search for me? Didn't you know where I would be? Put another way, he was saying, Didn't you know I would be about my father's interests? I mean, where else would I be? And he wasn't talking about being a carpenter either. As it was if he was saying to Mary, Look, you've raised me knowing I was to be special. Have you forgotten that? Didn't the angel visit you before I was conceived and tell you about me? Do you still not know who I am? That's a lot of tension for a 12-year-old boy to be carrying around. As a proper young Jewish lad, he is respective of his earthly parents, but he is also the son of God, and he knows it. While it may sound as if he were back-talking his mother, he is genuinely perplexed that his parents were astonished. I mean, really, indeed, where else would he be but in the temple? This passage is also telling us that even the Son of God recognized at an early age the importance of learning and being prepared for his life's work. Yes, he was the son of God, but he had a lot to learn about the faith and the writings of the earlier humans who had gone before him. He needed to hear, as a human being, the history of the faith, the events that transpired before his earthly incarnation, and the depths of belief held by his elders. And herein lies something of that paradox of Jesus being both entirely human and entirely divine. He has to grow up and acquire knowledge and wisdom in order to make the human choice to accept and embody his divine nature, which will happen at his own baptism once he's an adult. By asking the questions of his mother, Jesus is putting her on notice that he is taking his purpose very seriously and beginning the preparations for the role he is expected to play as a human being. To be fair, how can Mary understand? She knew the facts of the situation, but not the real implications of her son's existence. How can any of us possibly grasp such a dual nature in a person of any age, let alone a child of 12? He's already a prodigy. Everyone in the temple that day were taken aback at the nature and the maturity of his understanding and his wisdom that he demonstrated both in his questions and in his answers. It's not only that he was smart, although he certainly was that, but it was more than an ability to make a complicated calculation or regurgitate some fact. He actually had an inkling of what it all meant, He knew a little bit about what he did not yet know, and that's probably the most amazing thing of all. The passage goes on to say that Jesus departed then with Mary and Joseph and continued to live with them obediently in Nazareth. He continued to age and grow in wisdom. He experienced much grace, both from God and from his fellow human beings. We know from other stories in the Bible that, yes, he did apprentice with Joseph and became a carpenter. But not much else is known about him until he emerges on the scene as an adult, ready to begin his ministry. He was, after all, a completely human being. And this week has been about completely human matters, hasn't it? And this child, this infant, God has come to God's creation to live in it to experience it as others of God's making experience it. For the first time, God will encounter the evils and ills the rest of us face directly as a human being. God will conquer them through his life, death, and resurrection of this person named Jesus so that the rest of us will not again fall permanent victim to sin and death. God in Jesus knows that the time as a human being is limited, that much will be crammed into a short space of time. From start to finish, this human experiment will take about 33 human years, but the results remain in effect for an eternity. The season in our year that represents The birth of Jesus, God incarnate as a human being, and the death and resurrection of Christ at Easter is a relatively short period of our year. It's a season. I think we have a special obligation to follow in the footsteps of a child known as Jesus to gain as much knowledge and wisdom as we can and better equip ourselves for our roles as human beings. We are to follow our shepherd in treating our fellow humans with the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love we celebrated in Advent when we are expecting this new king. Maybe this year, perhaps more than other years, we may heed the call and answer him, Yes, Lord, we do know who you are, and we are ready to follow you. To God be the glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit